This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello and welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab. My name is Adrian Hernandez. I'm here today with Evan and Jackie to talk Colorado Avalanche. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you are watching the podcast on YouTube on the broadcast, good job. That's really awesome. That's the first place you ever get to see and hear from us over here at the Mile High Hockey Lab. Um, while I have your attention, please don't forget to share, comment, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff, and and be on the lookout on Spotify, iTunes, and Audible for every broadcast following each live broadcast here on YouTube. So, you know, we got a lot to talk about today in terms of Colorado Avalanche. The All-Star break is here, so what better time to kind of get into things. I'll start with you, Evan, and then I'll head over to you, Jackie. But I want to talk a little bit about the Avalanche and their recent games against the Anaheim Ducks and the St. Louis Blues. Of course, they lost to the Ducks, but did in fact beat the Blues to win 7 of 8. Evan, what's your takeaway from each game starting with Anaheim? Yeah, I mean, that that Anaheim game was obviously a, a killer. Um, and we've seen the Avs play down now to their opponents against Anaheim, Arizona, Chicago, and Vancouver in their losses. Um, so far from ideal on that front. Um, and um, the Blues, you know, that was started off great, didn't end hot. Um, but the Avs hung on in the end. And I think kind of the... The main theme you can take from both games is, excuse me, the third period collapses that both had that both both games had for the Avs. Um, yeah. They simply came out on the wrong foot and, you know, faltered against against these teams in the third period after they had been doing, you know, pretty good in the first two periods and, you know, had chances to put the game to bed in all in both of those games, but they didn't they didn't take advantage of it. So that's obviously something to to focus on post all-star break. Yeah. And Jackie, do you agree with that? Do you think the Avs need to kind of focus on playing three periods and, you know, finishing, I guess. Definitely. Um, my takeaway from these games are that I think this is where you really see that they needed Val Nichushkin. Yeah, <laughs> He was missing and um, it's, uh, it's part of them just, being so, I guess, soft in the third period. So maybe that's not the best word for it, but you know, you expect a pushback from any team that's down, but both of these happen almost immediately, like yeah. just the first shift of the period. So you can't really even point to momentum or fatigue. Uh, it does seem like those mental lapses are creeping back into their game. And then when they don't have a strong four check to really fall back on and, and they don't have the defenseman that they need to be able to get them out of their zone. It does seem like they're a little bit figured out like how they can get pressured again. So gotcha. uh, it is definitely something they need to figure out. 
and you could even throw the Washington game in there. Like that third period wasn't great either. That's a good um, point. I hadn't really thought of like the factor that, you know, maybe because they say it does take about a season or two for teams to catch up in terms of defensive structure for a team that's kind of different in a certain aspect. And I do think like the Avs were unique in that the defense has such a strong role in like jumping up into the play. And I, and although like the roster has been depleted on the back end, it does kind of make sense to me, like the way you mentioned it, that they've kind of been figured out in some ways too. Um, and then that, to me, that kind of falls on the coaching staff because it feels like the GM and, and the management is kind of just doubling down on the approach in terms of play style. So that seems like a coaching thing to figure out again how to, I guess, come at teams in the form of a surprise or something that they're not able to adjust to as well. What do you think of that, Evan? Yeah, I was going to say, you you actually make a really solid point on that. Um, you still end up, see me nodding my head along. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that that's actually a really solid point. I mean, the Avalanche are the 2022 Stanley Cup champions. They are they were the best team in the NHL. They were the example. They were what teams were studying over the summer. Um, you know, how do we be like the avalanche? How do you, how do you let your defenseman jump into the play? How do you move the puck so gracefully? How do you forecheck like that and do that for, you know, 60 minutes or more nightly. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, teams have adapted to that now at this point. Um, they, they've watched the abs. They've seen what they've did. They, they, they have seen what they've done. I mean, even like, even just like a small example is like on the power play, you have the, the drop pass. Now teams are covering that. I know the blues on their, on their penalty kill, they usually had one guy just waiting in the abs zone in case they did drop it back to McKinnon right. or, or whoever else was coming up the, in the middle. So teams have adapted and so it, it is definitely on the coaching staff to be like okay how do we how do we improvise how do we improve how do you how do you go about this moving forward right um and i'm sure that bednar was will work with something on that and of course you know you have the injuries to look back on and say you know we haven't been able to you know try these new things or even look at new things because of the injuries um and while it is kind of an excuse i guess you could say um it is legitimate and is maybe part of the reason why they are, you know, so low is because they haven't been able to do much coaching, coaching wise. Yeah, I agree. And we're talking here, just kind of recapping ducks and abs and blues and abs. But Jackie, I don't want to put words in your mouth per se. That was just kind of my interpretation of what you said when you said, you know, maybe they've been found out. Is my interpretation off or is that kind of what you meant? No, I think that's part of it. Um, yeah. It's like, their competitive advantage is their back end when they have everybody or close to everybody. Right. And even though the other teams at this point definitely know what the abs are trying to do, it's like they don't have the horses to both copy it or stop it. But when you right. have guys filling in back there that are like McDermott and England and hunt and, and they can get exposed. So that makes total sense. That's, like, that makes that part. That is on coaching because um because Bednar knows that this is what's at his disposal and I think he has tried to simplify some stuff yeah but it's still coming out in the breakout is still very difficult and how they can get pressured like that in the third periods yeah it's almost like that play style only works for like a very elite defensive group and when you don't have those guys the horses as you put it like it just it, it's more of a vulnerability 
than it is a strength to have that play style. That makes like a lot of sense to me. They did seem like they had a little bit more jump and a little more grit against the Blues, which I think is natural given the history, recent history between the Avs and Blues. And speaking on recent history of Avs and Blues, we saw another episode from Jordan Bennington, and I, I'm starting to feel like I'm I'm tired of even giving his antics a platform. But I guess I'll, I'll just get first your takeaway, Jackie. Does that What does that display tell you about Bennington, and are you like a fan of that sort of thing from a goaltender, or what's your take? Uh, I would say I'm not a fan. I guess I'm trying to think, like, what if Georgiev was like that? What would it be like? I guess it would have to depend on the context and, right. like, what what sets him off? What is it about it? Because I do, in general, like fiery, competitive players. But from a goaltender, it does seem so distracting. And and it's like goaltenders get a free pass. And even yeah, Georgiev mentioned this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is is like they can get away with stuff. And it is funny that earlier in the year, even like the refs were just like calling penalties on him. Like enough was enough. Um, part of it is like the rivalry. Like I know I've said on this podcast several times, I do feel like that might be the Avs biggest rival right now is the blues. So, you know, it's okay that some of that comes out in it, but I think the disappointing part for me was that that gave them life. Like somehow they got a power play out of it, which that was a bit unfair, but it gave them life. So it does basically validate his antics, which is unfortunate. You'd rather yeah. have it hurt them. <laughs> yeah, You'd rather have it blow up in their face than spur on a couple of goals. Or right. Goal. So yeah. I, so like I said, I do think it's part of the rivalry. It, it does get old, especially how they have to bring up Kadri and, and his right. injury, which all of that's BS. Um, but <clears throat> it's just, it's, I guess it's part of it. Like, in a way, it's nice to know that they can get to him. Right. Like they've it feels good kind of to times. make him that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, behave that way sometimes. It's right. like when you're the older brother and your little brother finally, or just older sibling and your younger sibling finally just freaks out because you've been poking and prodding <laughs> them for so long. Yeah. There's slight satisfaction to it, definitely. Evan, like, does it bother you as much as it bothers me that, like Jackie mentioned, he doesn't have to answer really to any of his antics in terms of actually fighting? And I, I think it was funny, um, Adrian. If you're like a Avalanche fan on Twitter, like you know Adrian, she does like awesome art and stickers. She's like Kadri's biggest fan, and so I think she has a little bit of a an edge to this opinion, <clears throat> but she said if Frankie was on the ice, she doesn't think that the ref would have been able to stop him from going to that end anyway. Are are you, does that bother you as much as it bothers most Avs fans to see him act like that? Hey, her, her and Frankie are like best buds. I yeah. know that for a fact. So good, good for them. I would have, uh, but I mean, at least in, in Bennington sense, yeah, it is, it is getting annoying. And I think to kind of further, not fuel the fires and that's not the right phrase but i guess that's the best one i can come up with right now is that somehow after all of that st louis got a power play and they scored on it <laughs> yeah. and that was like wasn't that something i think that just i think that left everyone clueless right i mean yeah he went after curtis freaking mcdermott i mean good luck with that that was <laughs> i loved that how was he a, just smiled at him yeah. i know right and it was it was, it was interesting. I'm like it's like this isn't 90s hockey anymore and right. i know i wasn't alive for 90s hockey so i can't say anything about it of course but 
you know, I, I mean, when you look back at like the Red Wings and the Abs and the, you know, Waz fights and with Osgood and, you know, things like that, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's a whole different realm of hockey that, you know, has just kind of passed that has moved on in 30 years. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm with Jackie yeah. too. Like, I feel like it's like you almost rewarded him. If, and like you said, we, they got a penalty, they got a goal and it was kind of a brand new game based on him doing something that like he has no answer hasn't doesn't have to answer for at all so i think that's a good point in, in bringing up that i i'm i yeah. wish he would i wish i'm glad like jackie said whenever he does it he's usually losing so that's i'm true. i'm i'm here for every single you know flash of that so you know with yeah, the beating I, I do the have blues a hot take. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say I have a hot take. If a goalie gets a penalty, they should sit in the box. And, you know, <laughs> specifically Bennington. <laughs> specifically Bennington. Yes. That fan. Called... That fan did something for all of us. Oh, that was hilarious. I Finally. think at that point, just call it the Bennington penalty. Yeah. Maybe like <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of a goaltender that's not yeah. Winnipeg number 37, the Bennington, and just yeah, call it that. <laughs> and just yeah. have him go sit. Go, well, have it go. Connor Hellebuck sit in the box and then I don't know yeah. if you bring in the backup or have that would be a, hilarious. a player just sit there. I don't know. But <laughs> it just, it would just be Josh, funny. I would, I would like to see that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just have another Josh Manson. <laughs> just hope it doesn't go right into your face. Yeah. Well, fortunately the avalanche were able to beat the blues despite Bennington's best effort to kind of spur on a comeback. Um, and the Avs, you know, ended up winning seven of their last eight heading into the all-star break after dropping that one to Anaheim. Um, do you think this kind of winning winning streak is enough to spur on a pretty solid second half push? Jackie, combining that with, you know, who's coming back to the roster likely? Um, probably. I hope the kind of extreme roller coaster's done. Um yeah. that would be nice. Yeah, because it's it's a little bit hard to put a finger on exactly why they've been so up and down. Like teams naturally do have ebbs and flows, but like losing five in a row and then winning six in a row is a little extreme. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, I, I don't know. I guess you would hope for stability, especially with it seems like Byram and Manson are going to be ready after the break. So you, you'd like to think that that would kind of stop the wild swings. But I, right. I think in general, they'll probably play well enough into the second half. I I don't think we're going to go back to early January again. I hope not. So um, like good enough, probably. Gotcha. You you think like Evan and just kind of to bounce off of what she just said, do you think like the outlook has changed enough to move on from like just just settling for, I guess, the three seed in the central or do you do you think the F should have uh, bigger eyes? I guess. Um, you know, I I think they should have bigger eyes, and I, I actually think before you continue, I think the live stream is screwed up. So I'll let you oh, deal really? with that before I answer. But anywho, um, I I think they have I think they have bigger they should have bigger aspirations. I feel like I feel like you shouldn't settle. Um, and you know when you have guy <clears throat> when you have guys oh my god excuse me. When you have guys returning, uh, you know, like Manson, like Byram, um, you know, players that are going to help, especially on that, on that back, on that back line um, and give, you know, Eric Johnson some rest. Cause he's been, he's been asked a lot of um, in this, you know, final year of his contract um, and having to play up on the first defensive pairing, you know, that's, 
that's not something I don't think he had in, in his in his uh on his list of things that were going to happen in the season and yeah you know things things like that I think that I think it will help definitely to an extent um uh I actually in our in our MHH roundtable that's coming out tomorrow just plugging that really quickly um I do have an answer about where the abs will finish in the central so I'll save that response for then I won't share it but <laughs> um suspense give, yeah get, get, I know give the people something to read about you know yeah I but, like that um I, I I just think I think there should be more aspirations and I I think really the one thing that I'm at least hoping for right now out of the rest of this season is that Landis Gog shows up by his I think it was March 15th um kind of timeline was that he He'd be back. Um, was it on the ice or was it playing by then? I don't remember exactly. I think playing. I think playing, that's playing, the yeah. new hope, but you never know. <laughs> that's yeah, hope, I because say. I mean, he's he's had so many setbacks. It was originally, oh yeah, he'll be in November, and then it was like, oh, it's actually he had surgery. It's going to January, and then it was like, okay, you know, maybe it's February, and now it's March, right? Like, I I don't like that it keeps getting pushed back. I I would hope that he will return on March fifteenth. I know ESPN said that he had been in in Philadelphia and Toronto doing um, some work, um, probably just off the ice work, if I had to guess. So um, hopefully not pushing it too much and putting too much strain on that knee. Um, so that's really what I hope for, because when when the heartbeat of the team is back, this team will hopefully have a good March and April, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, I the Landis Gog situation is just such a bummer because it feels like we've just been waiting and waiting, and this is this is dramatic for sure. This is what I'm about to say is dramatic, but it almost feels like the season hasn't even started again because Landis Gog hasn't been back. Like the whole group, we've not really gotten even to relive what last year was, um, based on the fact that the, one of the biggest pieces of such a great team has been gone the entire season. So I'm anxious to see what his return will bring to the play style of the Avs. And also I think it'll, it'll make this seemingly uh, vo seeming void in the two C position feel not all that abrupt or not all that present. And so I just sent out our live poll of the week. And if you haven't already head on over to Twitter and follow us at MHH underscore lab. And you can also follow Mile High Hockey at Mile High Hockey. Go ahead, Evan. What's up? Shoot. Hold on. We're, we're going to talk about trades later on, right? Right. Yes. There, okay. There is a huge one that just dropped. So No not way. For, Let's not, hit me with not it. Not for the go. abs. Just okay. jump into it? Okay. Yeah. Before okay. we even introduce the poll, because it might okay. change perception. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I'm like. T today at 3.43 p.m. The Five New York Islanders ago. have acquired Bo Horvat from the Vancouver Canucks oh. in exchange for Anthony Beauvillier, Atu Rati, and a conditional first-round pick in the 2023 draft. That's so too the, much. So the 2C chip that much. everybody talked about has left the board, and yeah, for quite a return. Holy moly. I well, I mean, that's what Vancouver was asking for. They were asking for guys and a pick. And yeah. I know if the Avs were interested, they were definitely going to be wanting that first-round pick. That, or, that's way yeah, too that first much for a rental. Yeah, like, are the me, Islanders going to be more. able to pay him $8 million yeah. for an extension? <laughs> yeah. Good question. I guess that's we'll see what the conditional's yeah. on, but um, 
I, didn't they outlaw conditional picks based on extensions? Like, didn't the league I say you can't do that two, anymore? Yeah, those two like like can't be contingent upon each other. Yeah, like the two can exist but separately. I'm pretty sure. But That's, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it's over because I seriously am so sick about hearing about that guy. Yeah, so well, it's a good segue. Because... It was never going to happen. So yeah, no. it really was. <laughs> and I don't. We're, and I we're don't breaking think... news on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Heck yeah. Well, I, and I don't think. So we'll do the live poll now. Then. So the question is, how should the Avalanche approach the trade deadline? Well, a, a lot of the talk was, <laughs> yeah, not going for Bo, Bo Horvat. He's off the board. Um, you know, one of the choices was, should they go for a two C? He fits into that. Should they do nothing? Um, and if, you know, if, if fans have a different opinion on a, a different approach, I wrote other and that they can write it in. So we'll read off some of those depending when we get some reactions, but we'll double back to that when we have a few more votes so we can really weigh the results in an accurate way. Um, Jackie, you said that that's like a lot, uh, in terms of return. Are there many pieces on the board in 2C that won't require a lot of t- return like that? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, it depends if you're talking rental or non-rental. Right. Like, um, usually rentals kind of more like a first or a second and a prospect, depending on how good the prospect is. So um, I'd have to see what Bavillier's contract is. But to get a real roster player, I think Ratu, I believe Ratu's like a good prospect and a conditional, which of course we'd have to hear what that conditional is, but that's too much for a rental. And I guess that then the question is, do they think they're going to extend him? Do the Islanders have enough money to extend him? Yeah. Seems a bit odd. I don't know. Like, you know, we go through this every year, like it was Giroux and he was going to bring all this back. And it's like, you can't think about acquiring some guy in his prime. You know, you hear like, Oh, Horvat would have taken new hook. Um, a first and Barons. It's like that's insane. Like you, <laughs> for a rental, like to give yeah. that. That's basically like every last thing they have left. So yeah, rental with not much cap room, like you're mentioning, to like to make him not a rental. It's a clear as yeah. day rental at this point. Like that's my biggest fear. Like the Avs don't really have enough draft capital, and they really don't have the space to make the a trade that would be beneficial because they would have to send cap for cap. And I mean, that's if, you know, I don't even know how the long-term IR works in terms of Landis God contract. Like it's different for every team. There's actually a lot that goes into how much comes off your cap 
um, based on who you have on the LTR. So I don't even know if that's weaponized, a thing that can be weaponized for the Avalanche. So with that said, well, I, go ahead. The big thing with Landy would be, is he coming back before the playoffs or not? Is he going to do the Kucherov? And right. I don't think the Avs would prefer that because Benner likes to get his group together and have everybody gel and get consistency and all that. So I don't think the Avs are going to try that. But if he misses this next, I guess, benchmark, you could say, and if then we're talking about April, then I think you really have to take it serious. But then that's the other thing. Okay, so let's say they even have $7 million cap space. Great. Like, who are you going to go get to fill it? Right. Um, so well, exactly and and at the end of the year it's still a true rental because you're going to have to find somewhere to offload a contract obviously there's the johnson stuff but then at the same time the mckinnon contract will start to come into play in terms of his aav on the new contract so it gets a little bit more complicated in terms of that i I, I, I'm with you. Like, I think that they should do nothing at the deadline and just ride with what they've got because I feel like they made their acquisitions in the offseason, which is typical of recent Avs management. Like, they keep the guys that they bring in out of, you know, situations that make sense for both sides. I don't think – I don't – I hope that they don't leave that character because I think it's what's made them, you know, simultaneously make great moves but also not lose depth Um so, Evan, like, what's your takeaway? Do you think the Avs, you know, should be shopping for a 2C, or are they just not in the position to be shopping at all? I'm actually going to go with the other option on that poll, and other. Um, okay. I think that if they do anything at the trade deadline, it's going to be somewhere in, in the depth, like fourth liner. Um, okay. And I, I'm, I would guess um, that maybe they might think that Ben Myers might not be the answer. Like when it comes to the stretch and like going into the playoffs. Um, so they might want to look for some, like another Andrew Cogliano or another Nico right. Sturm, maybe obviously well, of and, course not those two. And yeah. so um, maybe Nico jokes, Sturm. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh, that yeah. would, that would just boil. I feel like Couldn't a lot of people yeah. um, playing him on the fourth line. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But anyhow, I feel like that's what they would go for. I don't think they would go for, I don't think they would go for a two C I think partially because of new hooks kind of emergence. Cause I think he's on a four game point streak, right? Point streak right now. He's mm-hmm. up to 12 goals. Um, you know, he's been stellar, at least right in in this stretch anyway. So you have to hope that continues. Comfort too has always has has been good this season, um, kind of filling in whenever he can. Um, obviously he had that really good stretch in December. Um, so I think I think the team is just gonna hope on those two um to to produce on the second line, um, second, third line. Same with Landeskog when he comes back, um, wherever they decide to place Evan Rodriguez as well. Um, he'll flourish and so I, th- I think it'll just be somewhere in the depth. I mean, it, it would probably yeah, be well, replacing one. This like is a ben good Myers. time. Yeah, it's a good time to talk about the trade that they have made already prior to the show, which is to bring Matt Nieto back and Ryan Merkley in exchange for Martin Cout. And who was the other piece? I don't know why. Oh, Jacob, Jacob McDonald. McDonald. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. Like that That's in alignment with bolstering kind of the depth and the PK for sure. Jackie, initially, like, what were your thoughts when you saw the news break on that trade? Um, I guess 
I was, I don't know if happy is the right word, but I guess satisfied with it. It made sense. They got the NHL player back in the deal. Um, they didn't really give anything up. Um, like I've wanted Cout to get a fresh start. So I think it's good for him. I mean, it's bittersweet for me. I, I still really like him as a player, but, um, he needed to go to a different organization. Um, you know, Merkley's interesting. Uh, he's very much in the same boat. And so it, it made sense there. I like, it's funny when you trade first round picks, you still kind of got to win the optics trade too. And yeah. it's like both guys really definitely needed a fresh start. And then yet they still, still were traded for each other. They were first round picks in the same draft class and very mm-hmm. close to where they were picked as well. So it's just kind of funny how it works out that way. Um, <clears throat> I was a little bit concerned about Nieto because of the Sharks games that I have watched, he looked a little bit slow to me. And I think he's played well with the abs, but I think he's also kind of faded in both of the games that he played. So I think that's going to be something to watch. But I mean, at the end of the day, they traded out Jacob McDonald, who was not working out at forward. I mean, it, it was just an experiment that needed to end yeah. months ago for, for a sure. guy that they know is an NHL player, PKs, everything. So it's like they didn't give anything up. And, and so the, it definitely feels like one of those under the radar shrewd moves that they make. I don't think that they're going to get like some miracle with Merkley. I, I think maybe that's what a lot of uh, opinions out there are hinging on. Um, but like it at worst it's shuffling deck chairs. So it, they're not going to lose anything by this move. Yeah. That's Merkley what it felt like to me. What's that? Go ahead. I was going to say, didn't Merkley score this weekend for the Eagles or am I, he got an assist Um, assist. okay yeah this so the interesting thing with him is that he had made this trade request right at at new year's and he hasn't played like they sent him home (laughs) so it's not that unusual to let it be known you wouldn't mind a fresh start but to the point where either he decided to stay home or the organization told him to stay home that's a bit unusual so there was a pretty much a ticking clock there that they had to move him. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's something worth, I guess, keeping in mind, I guess. And, and he's a third year pro as well. So his contract's going to be up, his waiver exemption is going to be up. So if the abs think he has any value, they kind of need to figure out like if he does, because then they'll just need to waive him next year. And so, um, but I think, he did all right with the Eagles, especially the second game. They let him run the first power play unit, which is where he got the assist. It was like a tip goal. So the AHL box score is never right. So they always think like the guy that shot the puck always scored the goal. And that's not, <laughs> not always the case. No. <laughs> you know, there's tips and, and rebounds and things like that. So it, it did get corrected. But, um, you know, at the very least, they needed a power play quarterback there. So at at very least, that's something they have now, which they, I mean, the Eagles were signing guys off the street because they had so many problems with defensive depth, but, um, yeah. which in so line with the avalanche problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The abs took yeah. some of their defensemen and then they lost some on their own and, and they've really been trying to fill the hole in the bucket there. So, um, 
you know, I'm cautiously optimistic on Merkley. Like, it'll be interesting for me watching him with the Eagles, but he definitely has a long way to go. So he's pretty much a reclamation project in your mind. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. And for anyone that isn't familiar with him, he's very stylistically similar to Gerard, which I know. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Um, very very similar uh, smaller shifty guy good hands good passer does not have a lot of strength in the shot and if anybody thinks sam's not physical on the boards well then you need to watch (laughs) i love that yes you need to watch merkley who i i think hasn't been told that you're allowed to hit in professional hockey (laughs) so they're gonna have to uh uh you know Cronin, Cronin's that. a really good coach, so he'll he'll smarten him up there. But um, I was wondering I what your whiteboard. I was wondering what your whiteboard said. So <laughs> yeah, I felt like nice, it was kind nice of. Know. I write in all caps, so it can can look like a whole <laughs> big blob. But yeah, I'm. I was at the game against Anaheim when he had a goal and assist real early on in the game. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't win, um, but he looked he looked good. I, I I'm a little concerned though. Because he looked like he was playing as if a team who he might play for in the future was watching him. That's not to be like look too deep in his performance, but it's either that or he was just sick of it. Because he did look like he had a little bit of something to prove, um, which might just be personal. Like he might be wanting to prove something to himself right now. It might have nothing to do with fans, it might have nothing to do with being traded, but I couldn't help but kind of put two and two together. Evan, like, do you think that that's something, there might be something to that, or am I just making up fan fiction over here? I mean, professional athletes are not at the will, but they, I mean, they're exposed to the world, and especially when you're in the eyes of millions of eyeballs, you know, there's there's going to be people that don't like you. And so right. I think for Sammy, I, I'm sure he's probably been aware of them, not only just this season, but probably in the past as past, well, right. like the last last few years. So, you know, maybe that could have been affecting him. I, it's a mistake if they trade him. It really is. <laughs> like, it, if it happens, I I'm gonna be like, where did Chris McFarland learn that one from? Because he obviously yeah. had a great teacher with Joe Sakic, you know, above him before this. So, you know, I just think I think it's a mistake. So. You know, we'll we'll kind of see what happens, but I do I do want to go back to the the Merkley trade, um, yeah. because we haven't talked about the other name that went to San Jose, Martin Cow. Martin Cow, and yeah. you know, I know Jackie. I'm sure you have comments on this, so I'll keep my, I'll keep my piece short. Well, she well, but... she mentioned that you know, like it's probably a good change of scenery for him. Like he needs he needs a different opportunity to make make an impact somewhere in the actual NHL lineup. Yeah, but, and that's what I was going to say too. Is that you know that it is ultimately a failure on the Abs to pro- not produce him, but what's the word? Um, I, I, progress him, the word. I guess. Progress yeah. him, yeah. Develop him. That's what I was looking there you for. Go. Um, you know, it, it's it's a failure on their front to to develop him, being stuck in the AHL for you know what was it four five years you know that's that's not going to help a guy and only a handful of games a year is also not going to help a guy um right. and i feel like you could also maybe see it too and in, in the recent stretch of games that he'd had for the abs is that you know he there's not much he can do on that fourth line i mean it's not it's right. not his play style and so getting to actually go get some nhl time with san jose yeah it's not the best club in the world to go you know work play with but 
it's better than maybe sitting in the AHL. But then again, I I think I think I saw on Twitter that he was with the Barracuda and he scored like his 100th career goal or something like nice. that down there. That's cool. So. Yeah, Jackie, he. Do you, uh... do you think that's true? Like, do you think it's a failure of development? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. he was their best chance to get a graduation this year, and yeah. obviously Good they're point. not. So then, then the question becomes, who's going to graduate? Right. Like someone just got bumped up pretty quick. Or is anybody? Are they yeah. even going to try to graduate anyone? And it's like, no, they're going to buy at the deadline, and this is their team, and they're done with the youth. And then we're going to hear all summer, oh, yeah, but Foodie's going to be on the team. What about Olauson? What about Sampo? And it's like, no, if these guys aren't getting the time now, like, where's the next graduation? Say? Yeah. And we've so... learned from the Cal experience that these guys aren't all that close. Right. And so yeah. he was the one where it was like, you know did the is it a failure but he was on the team most of the year you know did they finally decide it because they kind of had to make it work like they need depth mm -hmm. so bad they needed to make it work and it it was like he's useful mm -hmm. i don't know it, it is frustrating it definitely is and and yes they did send him um to the ahl i think part of it is because his waiver exemption i think only has one more like one more game before the waiver exemption is up again so maybe san jose wasn't didn't want to you know Deal commit that. to that maybe they're waiting yeah. to trade some other guys at the deadline because he should not be in the ahl any longer and no. and you saw that two games especially he had not on san jose's assists. team yeah. <laughs> so, and, and they need to give him a test drive because they need to figure out are they gonna sign him after his elc you know so I really hope that he'll be up with them soon because there's absolutely nothing for him in the AHL. Like he's proved he's a good player there. Um, yeah, I agree. But, I agree but we don't that. know. Like, were they even that interested in him? Was he just to throw in? Was he just right. to make the Merkley deal not look so bad? <laughs> um, so we don't know either. Like, do they even have any interest in him? But they should right. because they're going to need players and cheap players to get them through their rebuild. So um, yeah. we'll wait and see. But I'm definitely very hopeful for him. Well, yeah, from I my think, standpoint, I think, the only, I think the only say we can, only thing we can say just real quickly is we hope for the best for him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Play. We definitely hope the best for him. But you know, along those lines too of of. Uh, um, like throwing Cout in to make the Merkley thing not look so bad. Like I think Cout's the the stronger piece in terms of what they got in return between he and Jacob. Yeah, McDonald. he's NHL ready. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. So I, I I would totally agree with you in terms of like I I think if you want to soften the blow as an ASS fan, the question is like in the playoffs and come towards the end of the season, who do you want more, Matt Nieto or Martin Cout? And I think Matt Nieto does kind of win that battle just in terms of bolstering the, the bottom sure. six and PK and having the veteran stuff kind of with all that. Um, but I'm with you. Like it's, I do still think that Cout has a style that would work as depth in the playoffs in a deep playoff run too. So um, I, I, I'm a little disappointed to see him go just as a fan of his, but I do think like it'll, it'll bring about hopefully some, some improvement and a place that he kind of fits a little bit better based on kind of how he plays hockey, but we'll double back to kind of our live poll results just to give you guys a feel on where the fans are right now. So um, the question was, how should the avalanche approach the trade deadline? Um, the choices were go for a two C 
do nothing and other write in. We got 78% of 69 votes so far uh, say go for a 2C. Uh, 16% of those same votes say do nothing and 6% say other. And our write ins are funny enough, the first one was I was going to say go get Horvat, lol. <laughs> and then this, <laughs> the second one is there is no 2C that makes sense. I think they spend their fourths and fifths on or B prospects getting rentals that get them deeper and protect them from injury. Maybe Grant Kulikov from the Ducks or similar type players. Let's not forget the importance of those extra players in last year's run, which is kind of what I was talking about with Cout just now. Um, Jackie, maybe you can respond. Well, actually, no, Evan, let's let's start with you because I think I just gave it to Jackie. Evan, tell me, um, do you agree with that? Like, should the Avs, like you said, be, you you talked about them going for for forward depth. Do names like Grant and Kulikov make sense to you? Yeah, I I guess you could say that. Um, I I I couldn't really pick I couldn't pick out a name for you right now. I'd have to go look at the depth charts of of other NHL teams because I definitely don't right. know them all that well. Um, but you know, probably something along those lines. Um, yeah, Kuliak Kuliak might not be a bad bad shout actually. What what are his stats for this year? I'm interested. Me, I'm gonna go look at that right now. Let's so and then that's what I'm wondering. No, while while we're while I'm doing that on the phone research, Jackie, what's your answer to this poll? Go for a two seed, do nothing or other. And if it's other, what's your other. Okay. I'm going to spoil it first and say my answer is other, but I do want to address the two C thing is that okay. I don't even really think they need a two C like, Same. yes. In a perfect world, if you could just teleport in Kadri or someone like Pierre-Luc Dubois or Horvat or any great two C wonderful, but if you look at like Comfer's had a better year than expected, I think Rodriguez has had a better year than expected. Um, I don't know if Newhook's really a fit on that second line this year, but it it helps that he's looking good at three C at least. So mm-hmm. I just don't. If you believe that Landeskog is going to play, and if you believe that Nichushkin is going to play for the most part, I think their top six is okay. Like I really. Unless they're able to get something long-term, I just really don't think they need a 2C. It's just been such the fixation since the summer. And I just, I don't think that's where their holes are anymore, really. I agree. And I think think that was like exacerbated almost by winning and by Nazem Kadri's impact on the postseason. Because it felt like that was kind of an affirmation or confirmation that, you know, the Avs were just a 2C away, and they finally got one, even though we had had him for three years, essentially. You know, it was like, oh, they finally got the performance from their 2C that they needed, which I think is why people are obsessed. You know, add to that, that Nazem Kadri was an incredibly impactful player during his time here, both on and off the ice. You know, it's it's kind of become borderline obsession with filling that void. But, like, I'm with you, Jackie. I don't necessarily think that there's anything I mean obviously you want a, a 2C who's going to have a career year sure but that that's not that's an exception to the rule and you have to find a sustainable roster not a roster that's top heavy that you have to you know go mortgaging all of your youth and all of your picks to keep top heavy you know like that's that's not something that lasts Evan do you agree with that or 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 is that just me No I I certainly agree with you there I it, it's I mean, that's why I think 
the Avs moved on from Kadri because he ha- he was asking for seven years and seven million dollars, and that's that would have taken him to what was it thirty eight, thirty nine, something mm-hmm. like that. You know, old. And that's when you're thirty six years old. Probably ended up on the third line at that point. I feel like um, at at best, um, that seven million dollars is not going to look all that great on you. And so, you know, I think it it's definitely you're right about people definitely like infatuating over it because it's like it happened. We they finally got their two C. They got Kadri. They it they did it. They they did it. They won the cup because of it, you know, so on and so forth. Yes, that's obviously huge, but you also have to look at like the entire team as a whole. Obviously, you've got Burakovsky who's now gone. Um, the defense for the most part was healthy. Um, you know, Jack Johnson was a solid replacement for Sam Gerard when he broke his sternum in that, in the second round, like mm-hmm. it was all a well-oiled machine that worked out right. really, really well. And it's hard to do it twice. That's why when Tampa has made it to three Stanley cup finals in a row, it's super impressive. And of course the abs are hoping to do the same, but it's, it's under different circumstances. And you know that's that's why I think that the top six is also okay. Like you've got mm-hmm. you've got your guys that are gonna that are gonna get you there. Like we've yeah. already seen it too this year when when Nachushkin returned. Like it's a totally different. The story. top six, yeah. yeah, the top six looked like a top six again. Come, comes together now. Yeah. Imagine, yeah, imagine when Landeskog is back. Then it's really gonna click. So yeah. then it's really dealing with the depth of this team, which is why I think you know someone on on the on the fourth line would be better and i actually was just looking right now on daily faceoff to look at the line pairs because i remember seeing a name from arizona that i thought was interesting he does play on the first line right now so i don't know how likely it would be and i've seen his name thrown on a couple of times in our comments but nick schmaltz hmm. could but you know i i don't know that one seems a little I... bit harder to to get so i i don't know my favorite poach from Arizona would be Lawson Krause. Or Krause. He'd be, gonna... he'd, mm-hmm. he'd be one of those RFA buys, though. So it'd be kind of similar to like a Lekkonen situation. Um, okay. I think Bukestad, if I'm saying his name right. A lot of these names I've never really ever said out loud. So, <laughs> um, But I think he's like the favorite fourth line um, trade chip, which I could see the Avs have interested in him. I believe his salary is really low, uh, expiring contract, you know fourth line center I think that's what they're going to look at because even if they say Helm's going to skate or whatever like they just cannot count on him if he ever comes back and can play for any meaningful stretch then it's like a bonus but I think I think what they're really going to target is a 4C I think Nieto was like their bottom six wing PK help and then I think the next thing they want is a, a 4C that can do the same so my answer for other is either that or if somehow they're able to pull off another another one of these RFA deals, but they're going to need assets for that. And I don't really don't think they have them anymore. So if they really wanted to make a big move and get creative would be to move one of their own expiring contracts, acquire assets, and then use that to make one of these RFA deals. Right. To me, that's like their quote unquote big move. It's not going to be, the next biggest rental on on the list. It's That's gonna a pretty be something... slick way, though, because as you know, yeah. Lekkonen's still here, and he's on a pretty exactly. like a pretty reasonable contract too. 
So to me, that's like, if something was going to happen, that'd be like their big move. But a lot of things have to fall in place for that. They'd have to A, be willing to move one of their expiring contracts. They'd have to get the right deal. They'd have to get the perfect deal in that direction and then the perfect deal to get the RFA. So I don't... I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to have a quieter deadline. I think they're just okay. going to get their four C and and call it good. And maybe Jack Johnson because they <laughs> probably already know. have that deal or, or agreed to with Chicago. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. how, how about yeah. this game? How about the? I'm just I'm now just scrolling on Daily Faceoff and just exploring because day. why not? I know, yeah. right? How about this name? How about a reunion with Derek Broussard? Whoa. No, I, I think no. I think he's so washed up. No, yeah. <laughs> um, like, please no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a, just a shout. That's all. But no, I, I think you're right. Look for former players because that's it's not a coincidence at this point, right? Like yeah. they they seem to really value guys that they know fit with the with their existing players, fit with Bednar, his style, the system. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other, I wonder about Stastny if. Um, that would now, be, I know Carolina is very good, but the reason why they would do it is he makes, I think, like $2 million. So they'd move him to free up cap space so they could make a bigger move. Right. And then the Avs could benefit from if they're looking for something smaller, then they could get one of these guys. I think also Pittsburgh Teddy Bluger is another one, but he's not an old friend. But that's sort right. of in the same line of that strategy. But I think you're definitely I love, right. I in love thinking, I love that old... idea of Stastny because that might that might satisfy, you know, like the the homers who are like, we need a two C. They like, there's your two C, even though that's not <laughs> yeah. what that like all what he is anymore. The, yeah. the two C <laughs> from ten years ago, maybe, but and yeah. I know he never played under Bednar. It's not quite the same thing, but he definitely, <laughs> you know, played with Landeskog and McKinnon. And... Yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't see Carolina selling at the deadline. I just. I don't They'd only do it, it to get money. Like I said, it yeah. wouldn't be just. They're obviously gonna buy it to win, but it it would be like a cap thing if they did it. But I think you're on the right track about former players. <laughs> you gotta think yeah, about I think so too. Out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I, yeah. I'm here to, today with Jackie and Evan. Sorry, Jackie, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, go ahead. Uh, but you know, I'm here with you two two great writers over at MileHighHockey.com. Uh, head on over to milehighhockey.com for their latest work. We're working on a round table right now that should be dropping in the next couple of days. Uh, Jackie, you are, you're usually the one that kind of sends around the round tables. Tell me kind of like what went into your thinking with some of the questions there. And uh, like, what's your general, general thought on, you know, the abs outlook um, heading into the second half of the season? Um, well, it's funny. I uh, started the round table during their bad streak. So it, it's kind nice. of funny because yeah. um, you kind of need to think about the the tone or the vibe of what's going on. And then if it shifts, you kind of need to um, kind of pivot a little bit. Right. Um, I just like to both think about like what we like, what we don't like, what we hope for in the future so right now the trade deadline is going to be on everybody's mind so we definitely have some thoughts about that and then just always a little section on maybe a prediction or something where we can look back on and see we were so right we were so wrong and um (laughs) and uh, i'm usually in the the latter of that those phrases (laughs) 
<laughs> so kind of see how the the rest of the season goes i'm sure we'll do another one after the trade deadline and really when we get into the stretch run and stuff but it's it's good to take a little bit of the pulse of how we're thinking which probably reflects a lot of what the fan base is thinking and and things like that yeah my favorite part is the predictions because i'm I love making a fool of myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for sending that around. And I love, I love that approach to articles. Cause we, like you said, it's like you get, you get opinions from all the writers and, and often that mirrors kind of the differing opinions of the fan base. And so it kind of gives everyone a platform to see how their opinions kind of uh, combine with others. Um, even, even just within our kind of thinking and our project, a little project over here. So Evan, you know, with the break is the all-star game and we've kind of not even talked about it even a little bit because I, I mean, I don't mean to downplay it or anything, but I'm, I think it's a cool thing, especially love the, the presence of avalanche members and the representation of Colorado being a hockey state and having the best team in the world right now. Um, but it's something that I don't really get too excited for. I'm more into the competitive side of the sport. Um, tell me, do you agree with that? Or are you, are you locked in? to the all-star game when it comes around no i i'm definitely i'm not like i'm definitely not into like the oh yeah it's the all-star game yeah i'm gonna yeah you know, paint my face for it and like be super pumped <laughs> about it you know I, yeah. i'm not up to that level but I, I don't think i'm as far down as as you are like right. i definitely think there's some excitement to it i was actually just looking up too to see if the the participants for the skills events had been announced yet but i didn't see anything about it unless they haven't but there's there's like a dunk tank thing going on so you like you shoot at a target and one of your fellow players yeah it gets dunk tanked Uh, jackie what do you think like is there a is there a favorite segment of the all-star action that you have or are you just like me you're not all that into it pluses and minuses i guess you could say like i like the honor especially since our guys haven't gone like eight or ten times i mean mckinnon's getting up there where yeah he's kind of done it but it's it's still really cool to see uh, miko and makar like they're not jaded about it yet (laughs) right yeah (laughs) um, and i like a platform for them to show off their skill like the breakaway challenge is cool or the accuracy you know things like that i know that every year they try to do something a little bit silly so i i don't know i I guess it's just interesting to see what they come up with like the fastest skater i think would be cool i just don't like them doing the lap because that's not really like hockey related if yeah they did more down and back kind of like the the mountains or the bag skate or whatever you want to call it yeah right (laughs) Yeah, it's not. I I think I don't think they do that because it's not it's not entertainment to the eye. I guess. Yeah, it's just. But that's I agree. It's just weird. It says more about power skating than being able to get to max speed and just glide. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wish maybe they combine it with like either going like up and back fast and then and then like shooting on a breakaway or something that that would look a little bit more like hockey related, but um, I haven't heard what events our guys will be doing. Um, so I, I guess yeah. I'm looking forward to that. It's always nice to appreciate um, someone's skill and talent. And I don't mind the game. I think because that is more hockey related, like they're clear and it is an avenue for them to show off their skill as well. So it is fun to see um, them make plays with other stars in the division and, so yeah, I don't mind it. It's 
it's the novelty, I guess. And I, I do want to plug right here that, um, you know, the AHL All-Star Game is usually not exciting whatsoever. But when a prospect of ours, <laughs> like John Luke Foodie, who um, is leading the Eagles in scoring, finally got recognized. And that's like a huge deal for someone like him. Like, I actually am going to watch the AHL All-Star Game because he will be in it. So, um, yeah, that's really, I cool. think that's like a big deal. So I, I've watched him in the past, uh, Nico, uh, made the Ulster game and I think AJ Greer did. I think those were really the last two like prospects of ours that was involved in the AHL star game. So, um, I'm pumped about that. Honestly, I, I really think it's cool. a huge honor for, uh, especially someone so young and, and someone that's like a real prospect in the organization. I think, um, the recognition does a lot for them. Yeah, that's exciting because it says, it. yeah, it says something about at least one of the prospects that we have of the limited amount of them that we have. At least he's kind of getting recognition where he's at currently. Um, and I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer. Like, I think it's all fun. I think it's all really cool. I guess really the only beef I have with it is who ends up in the all-star selection. Just based on the format of how they do the selection, I feel like it's partly all stars and partly just about being represented, um, which is fine. I just think that it shouldn't be considered all star game. If it's not truly the best, you know, handful of guys, no matter where they play or who they play for, which is just, that's kind of my only thing. So that, that kind of always takes away a little bit from it. Cause in my opinion, like, and maybe this is, this is, this is just being a fan. Um, but like, Nachushkin is an all-star in my mind, um, you know, and I'm sure there's fan bases in other teams that are a little bit more top heavy that could make strong arguments, you know, for dudes on their team that just didn't get selected at all. Uh, so I just feel like there's, there's an argument to be made that um, the, the, the format itself in terms of how they p select the players could be changed. And then I think I would be totally in, but in terms of like what they do, it's all fun and games to me. Like I think it's it's like you said, a good display of their talents, especially for our guys. Like you mentioned, it's fun. I'm sure Miko will probably be on the breakaway challenge. Um, I'm sure McKinnon will be in the fastest skater, and I bet Rantanen is in the like sauce toss passing thing because that just to me checks out for all of those guys. Um, and they might have more than one event, but that's just my the way I see it going. Um, Evan, do you have an issue with how they do like the player selection in the all-star or are you cool with it? No, I, there's definitely some truth to your, to your statement. Cause I mean, you know, you, having one from every team is acceptable. And like, I get that, but like, who even is Chicago? Is it Patrick Kane for Chicago? No, it's Seth it's, Jones. Yeah. Seth right. Jones. Like, yeah. Like, come on. That's, that's a stretch. And I don't know who Columbus is. Is I assume Anaheim is Trevor Zegers. Like, yeah, Zegers right. makes sense, of course. But like, is it is it is it Goudreau for Columbus? Like, I'm trying. I to think, think it is. Now that it you is. mentioned it, I think it is. I don't think Zegers was Anaheim. I think it's someone else. Really? Maybe Terry. Is it really not Terry? Zegers? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah that's crazy. Which is why I I don't mind so much that that a lot of the teams are represented, but some of the choices are odd. Like Burakovsky didn't get picked for Seattle, which I thought was a little strange. Like he's been leading their team in scoring. Like, yeah, yeah. So some of the guys you expect to be there aren't. And that's a little odd. Like, I think if they want to represent every team, which I get, like the fans want to see their guy or whatever, 
maybe they needed to invite more players. I know nobody wants to see like a hundred guys there, That's but a good point. you know, yeah, you could like, and you could get the representation, but you could also say like the coach gets to pick the top who's doing what in which, you know, everything. And, and if you're not really going to be on the cut, like at least you got the honor of being invited here to represent your team. But, like, no offense, we don't need to showcase Seth Jones in this moment right now. It's probably better to get someone like Andre Burakovsky, who's representing a brand-new market and who's probably someone that everybody's a fan of in that market, and he's and they're losing a little slice of representation. So I'm, I'm with you guys. Like, I think it's not that big of a deal, really. But it, it's something that they could think about addressing and and it might satisfy because because, you know, Jackie, you mentioned that it that it's an honor and it is an honor. Like, I don't mean to say that it's not, but it's slightly less of an honor when you know that some guys are getting in just because there's really no one else on the roster to be picked from. But those guys on their current team. So obviously for the Avalanche, that's not the case. They're on a really good lineup and they're being selected. And I think they're one of however many teams to have three players represent so that's that in and of itself i think is an honor for sure so i think it's three teams um, three teams yeah and i was surprised i was actually surprised they had two from the fan vote that was i know i i did not pretty cool was gonna make it that's supposed to show how big the fan base is kind of getting i think even in north america let alone like just locally which is that's that's pretty cool yeah so you know, yeah. it's got some it's got some fun to it. I know you I know you were at the one in Vegas last year, so maybe it's a little bit yeah. different from well, your end. Of I, like... Maybe and maybe that's why I have this opinion, because like that was uh, let me let me let me add context, though. I was supposed to go to the game and the skills contest. I ended up just being able to go to the skills competition because I had a conflicting uh, schedule thing kind of during the all star game itself. So I, I went to that. the skills the skills competition and as a spectator that was so boring which I understand it was a made for TV event but as like somebody who paid for the ticket I I was like damn this was a mistake cuz it was a pretty pricey ticket and it was just a made for TV event that really wasn't catered to the arena and and um like even when they did the the challenge where Kadri was shooting plates um that was like shot hours before on the strip it wasn't even happening live, you know, because I was like, oh, that'll be sick. Like, I, I just want to go watch that, like, out on the ponds. Let's, let's go watch that. But all that stuff had already happened. So it just it, yeah. that kind of that may have that may have added a little bias to my opinion, because it felt like that's who it should be for are the people who are like f- traveling and buying tickets to go to go cheer on the players that represent their teams. Um, it should be more of a made for the experience kind of like the stadium series i think is it, it's more for the person there or at least it's intended to be um than than it is like a television event although it makes for the best backdrop um so that's just kind of my thought on the matter no, i'm excited I, though yeah i think those Go are ahead, all Jack. good points yeah, yeah i i didn't realize that you had gone so yeah that makes total sense that um you just you don't really you're not really connecting with the uh the experience the way they do it. Yeah. And yeah. and it's not that they don't do it well. Like it was, it was really cool. And, and all of the, you know, the city around the all-star game was set up in a way that was obviously very, very fun, like very inner some stuff you could interact with, but it was really like, I was there to like see my favorite players 
and to to see them do the the goofy stuff and it just wasn't as as involved and engaged from a fan standpoint as i was kind of hoping so that's all right though like i'm excited maybe is yeah maybe it's because they were catering to to vegas because it was in vegas yeah. and it was just yeah. you know the, they want point. the vegas lifestyle i feel like aren't they doing something like on the beach i think yeah, so i think they like i think I they've know. decided they like that i i think that's the, the initial idea was like some sort of alligator pit or something and it's oh like my they gosh. moved away from <laughs> i they might have moved away from that but um, players oh, even had something such, to say it's such a florida thing too oh yeah my and, oh my but, goodness. so i get it like they're really trying to theme it around the city which is cool like it's not just an arena that they're going to it's like the city and and everything I like that with like the really retro like Miami Art Deco yeah look that's cool jerseys and stuff. So they're really trying to like theme it up, which I think is cool. But yeah, you you're gonna end up with with more of these pre-taped outside things like on the beach yep. and whatever else that they do. So I'll just save my money and stay home and watch it on TV. Where yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. What, now okay, hold on. Theoretically, yeah. here, what would they do yeah. when the what do they do when the All Star Game is in Denver next? What what what's like the the pre taped event like? Is it gonna be like like on a mountain? Gotta be yeah. On a ski, yeah, it's gotta be ski like red, related. Red rocks, something at Red Rocks, maybe. Yeah, or, it's yeah. probably like a nice. down. It's, it's one of those skate moto X combination courses. No, I think the players <laughs> union would have a problem with that too. They might. I don't know. Just a just a fun <laughs> yeah. fun thought. It's a good I question. Mean, but, the All-Star Game hasn't been here since, what, 2001? I don't think the yeah. Avs want to invest in it for it, though. I don't think it's yeah. ever coming back. That would require... I'd like to have a draft. I love... I went to the draft. That would be I loved that experience. I love that. Mile high hockey, hockey lab. Lab.